This is Amateur Logic, episode 127 for February 15th, 2019. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM. Create your own band opening with ICOM's newest SDR transceiver, the IC9700, coming soon. Good evening and welcome to another action-packed episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. Tommy Neal. Can't wait to see what kind of action we're going to have tonight. You just never know, man. never know. Well, it is, (laughs) what, it's February here. It is, day after Valentine's Day. And it was almost 70 here. Yeah, it's been really nice. It has been nice. Emil, what's been going on down south there? Well, down south, it's a new new year, and the clubs are getting into swings, and meetings are gone, and planning starting for the year, and all of that fun stuff. So cool. uh, we got a little preview of uh, how we started that coming up. And see, I didn't even know Emil was a member of a swinging club. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> You know, it just presented itself. There. <laughs> you know, y'all would have thought less of me if I didn't take yeah. it. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was kind of waiting for it. <laughs> well, we've got uh, some some fun things lined up tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll find out what email is going to talk about in just a moment here, because I don't want to give it away too quickly. Uh, Tommy, what are you going to have tonight? Uh, I've got a kind of a little bit of follow up to my uh, PyStar segment about the DV Mega. We're going to do a little mm-hmm. firmware update tonight. So if yours is not current enough, I'm going to show you how to to update it. Okay, and I'm going to be uh, this will be part one of my new adventures with uh, Echo Link on the Raspberry Pi. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm trying SVX Link this time. Um, I'm not a hundred percent there. Well, actually, I, I kind of have been, but and then it crashed on me, so I'm I'm in the process of rebuilding it. But there's so much information there that it's going to take a couple episodes to to get it all out because only do you know ten minutes or so at a time. Right. Uh, but uh, it, it's looking much more promising this time around, and I think you should be able to watch this and and duplicate it. It should be all the steps you need. There's a few things left out, you know, of what they've got on the website. And right. We filled in a few blanks here. Cool. We'll be looking at that. You know, anytime we're doing a show live, we've also got a chat room going on simultaneously, and that is where? AmateurLogic.tv forward slash chat. And there, all our rowdy friends are in there tonight. Yeah. Well, half of them. Yeah, half of half them. Of it's them. usually about 50%. We're not the... sure we could stand the whole load at once, but um, 
you know, uh, they're having a good time over there. Yep. Oh, so yeah, yeah, they are. If, you, <laughs> if you're in the, uh, if you're watching the live stream, you're not over in the chat room. You're missing part of the fun. So come join us over there. Yeah. And if uh, you're watching the recorded version, well, of course, chat rooms are already. Uh, well, yeah, most everybody packed up and went home after the yeah, show tonight. Except there's a few that kind of hang out in there. Oh, there is. But I, I don't know if they're saying anything. Maybe they are. Wait a minute. I saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough on the chat there. Let's, let's get into a few emails here. Okay. Uh, the first one tonight comes from Francis W1FXX. And he says, in episode 126, you made a brief mention of consoles. And, I, yeah, I kind of remember doing that. Well, here's one for you. And he threw us in a picture of his console here. He says he bought the IC9100 for satellite ops, not really realizing what a big brute it was. And that is a big radio, isn't it, Emil? That is a big one. I like it. He says, I wish I had known they were going to come out with the 9700 because it would be a good companion to the uh, 7300 he's got sitting up there on the shelf. Both he and his YL K3FXX really love the show. You guys have so much fun. Uh, Best regards, Francis. And thanks, Francis. Yeah, we try to have a good time here, and uh, we usually do. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, a nice looking setup there. Yeah, it was. That 9100 is pretty good size radio. But You've got, got some... one, don't you, Emil? Yeah, yeah, and I like how you had it set into the desk like that. That's I kind of uh, mm-hmm. reclaim some desk space by yeah. doing it like that. That thing's got sweet sounding audio. Oh, really? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah it does. So, Glenn, KG5CN, who is in the chat room, enlightened me. Uh, few days ago and uh, and also the facebook uh forum that uh our radio club this year the ozone amateur radio club w5sla we're going to be doing our ham fest in um this year in july uh but this time we're going to be doing it in conjunction with uh the w9 dyv amateur radio symposium Hmm. now apparently what that what that is to me is uh an old radio uh, kind of like a, I guess they travel around and have shows that deal mainly with the old rigs and the. Uh, I had I hesitate to say boat anchors, but I'm sure there's some. But uh, you know that's what this show is. I'm looking forward to it because from the pictures he's got on the Facebook forum, it's looking pretty uh, pretty decent. I'd like to see some of those rigs. Yeah, um, you know I might have to come down for that. Huh? Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to try to make it. I'm going to put it on my calendar and uh, and try. I wrote it on my my calendar. I, I don't always make it to everything I put on the calendar, yeah. but at least I know when it's coming up, and I can try to kind of plan around. Yeah, it should it. be a fun trip. I'm not going to be able to make it to the rain one this year because of uh, work commitment. That scheduling's yeah. not going to work out, but uh, I may try to make it down there to Slidell. Yeah, the email I probably won't be there either, so you're going to have to pinch your tails and suck the heads for us. Oh, I got it covered. Not a problem. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. I was hoped to come back, but uh, just didn't work out this time. So I'm going to shoot for next year. Roger that. What's on your email stack over there, Tommy? Well, I've got one. It's a follow-up to my uh, Blue DV 
segment uh, is from Gary, VE6DZ. says, it sure would be nice if you could do a bigger segment on the Thumb DV for Windows and its ability to go mobile slash portable on an Android phone with Blue DV Ambi from the Google Play Store. He did a bunch of research, and uh, he sent it to me on how to put it together. The picture you see is came from Gary. It's the ultimate traveler's ham radio station that does not get the airport security the slight bit concerned. To, to transmit, tap the screen. To unkey, tap the screen again. It has great audio in both directions. Uh, thanks, Gary. Um, and anyway, he's right. And he's, he also sent a little video. Um, I, I probably should have covered more, but my segment mm-hmm. took the whole 10 minutes and... and Anyway, it was uh, aimed at keeping things kind of simple. That's it working. And uh, he's, you can see he's got a little pigtail and his thumb TV plugged right into his phone. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, I've got one of those adapters. I may need to start carrying that around on mine. I haven't used it like that. You know, we all practice uh, emergency communications. And uh, one of the focuses in most cases is doing that in adverse or differing uh, conditions and, uh, you know, really, really see what it takes in, in different times of the year. And this was uh, actually somewhat of a relief from the 100-plus degree temperatures of the normal field day. <laughs> so winter field day, uh, Louisiana style. Hey, George and Tommy, cheap old man here. And this year for 2019 Winter Field Day, we decided to brave the mountainous region of Louisiana uh, north of our Lake Pontchartrain, about 30 miles north of uh, New Orleans. And uh, special thanks to WD5BJR for letting us get towards uh, his place. We found a nice shady oak to uh, sit under and set up. And I had some good times with uh, some of MSJ's antennas and some of our uh, mobile uh, setups, field day setups, equipment, what have you. And uh, it was an awesome day, 60 degrees. I don't know that I would we would qualify with uh, winter conditions uh, from what we had, but it was uh, awesome gorgeous day to be outside and what a performer that antenna is right there gotta hand it to mfj on that one Uh, occasionally of course we checked out the uh, voltages to make sure our batteries were working and uh, the radios never did give us any problems we were also accompanied by another uh, uh, ham from our club and uh, they were operating right down the field uh, from us and uh, we had had a great time and it was good stuff with the uh, contacts we made. And there's Glenn, KG5CN. And we even had some uh, equestrian-type uh, operators with us as well. Uh, looks like Germany, Denmark, America. I believe you said, go ahead, sir. Yes, sir. Let's try to get him. Coming into Evansville, 
Kilo Golf 5, Charlie Echo November. I had a Kilo Golf of 5 station. Kilo Golf 5, Charlie Echo November. Our exchange is 1 Oscar Lima Alpha. Over. Well, it looks like a fun time was had by all there, Emil. And with that epic music. Boy. Yeah. It looked like you guys had great weather, too, man. That's uh, perfect. It, it was it was perfect weather. I, I, I'd have to say we were probably cheating compared to most of the other people we were talking to in the northeast and north of us. Yeah, I see Chip in the chat room said it seems strange seeing people sitting outside in February. But we've been, I've been running the air conditioner. Oh, yeah. Some people are asking about what the uh, green stuff was on the ground. It's some, some kind of strange thing going on. Yeah. AstroTurf. It must have been. Yeah. I, actually, I walked out in the backyard today. I noticed I'm probably going to have to cut my grass in a few more weeks. Yeah. It's getting some... some oh, mine too. Yeah. I, I mentioned the Tommy. I like the um, the shipping bl- or packing blanket there on the table. That was a nice touch. Yeah, it, it, it helped. Uh, in fact, the the host who let us come to his uh, property up there uh, provided that big table with that cover, and um, it did it worked really good. Yeah, yeah, those are the, that's a versatile piece of equipment. Yeah, packing we, blanket. They make great sound insulation too. Yeah. Oh yeah. On uh, the walls in here to kind of deaden things down a little bit. It still gets pretty lively at times, though. Well, let's get on back into the emails. And by the way, let me just say before we move on that one of these years we're going to do Winter Field Day. It just falls on the same weekend as our ham fest here usually. Yeah, yeah. And actually, this week, this year, I had to work over the ham fest weekend too. So, yeah. Matter of fact, we should have had ham fest footage from this show. Yeah, we did. I didn't shoot any this year. Yeah. Um, you you weren't really there much. Um, yeah, I was only there for about an hour and a half. Yeah. and uh, oh, I'm looking at something Glenn's putting uh, in the chat room right now that's relevant. Uh, he me- He's mentioning that, uh, you know, once the wind started blowing a little bit and it got around 40s and the sun went down, we just ran for the hills. Not that there's any hills, but we ran <laughs> for it. Because, you know, 40, that's, oh, man, that's intolerable. That's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. I'm going to see how people Ooh. live in that kind of weather. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. 40s is cold around here. Uh, it, it is. Well, tell me, what have you got for your next email over there? Well, I've got a, this one actually kind of uh, is related to your segment from last month. So. Our segment. We all did that. Well, it's our community segment. Don't blame it all on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, this is from uh, Rude, PA3RW. That sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he's written in several times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's been watching the show for a long time. Uh, I did see your last 
uh, YouTube broadcast video about the stub filter. I've used these filters for a long time now. I've made them for different frequencies and they worked well. I make them a little bit different and I'll tell you why. I use two stubs. The line is as follows. From the transmitter, a T-piece with a stub of quarter wavelength. At the other end of the T-piece, another quarter wavelength for the second stub. Then it goes to my antenna. If both stubs are shorted, then it's a bandpass filter. If both stubs are open, then it's a band stop filter. If one of the stubs is open and the other is shorted, it's a low-pass filter, and when you swap it, which one's shorted out, mm -hmm. uh, it's a high-pass filter. I use this filter for a lot of frequencies. Now, if the frequency is in the HF band, I use an empty 10. So you can buy the empty ones at a hardware store. He rolls the coax up in the 10, and both of the T-pieces come out of the two holes I made in the 10. Of course, the lower frequency is the bigger the 10. Rude, PA3RW. Anyway, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and I, I could see that. I'd actually like to t test that out, the uh, high-pass and low-pass filter part of it, because I could see um, instead of just uh, doing the notch, oh, yeah. kind of like what yeah. we showed here, uh, how that would be useful in some circumstances. Very useful. Oh, yeah. So yeah I wasn't sure aware could. of that. So thanks for sharing that with us, Rude. That's pretty cool. Well, I've got an email here from Garland, KB4RTM, and this is concerning a previous episode as well. He said, uh, some time ago on either Amateur Logic or Ham Nation, you used an Arduino kit to display the HF frequency because yours had gone bad. And I, I guess he means the display on the radio had gone mm -hmm. bad. And yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, that was on Amateur Logic. That's, um, well, that was... The 857D that's got the common problem of mm -hmm. the streaks in the display. He says he has a TS820, and the display doesn't show all the numbers. Can you recommend one of the Arduino uh, mini kits? I enjoy both shows. Happy Thanksgiving. So you can tell he wrote this a while back. Oh, yeah. And what he was referring or, to there. That is early for next Thanksgiving. Yep. Is my color heads-up display. I had streaks in the display on my FT-857, and, and, you know, I don't really use that radio that much, and I had this display here. And I said, well, that sounds like a good good project for the display. So that's it. And unfortunately, it's not a kit. That's something that I put together, and all the software and everything's available for download. If you go back, Look at episode 112 from December of 2017. You'll get all the details there and a link to uh, where you can download that source code. But mine was written to work exclusively with the FT-857D. Now, you could modify it and use it with uh, any rig that supports cat commands, but you, you'd have to do a little modifying. I can't believe it's been that long, 2017. Yeah. It seems like it was no time ago when you did that. It does. As a matter of fact, it's still sitting over on the bench like it was no time ago that I did it. Cause I, you, you wait for your two-year thing to come up like I do? Yeah. I, I need to to finish the cabinet on the thing and just call it done because it's got my workbench 
I, I usually two buy years now. <laughs> I usually buy parts for projects or whatever, and then it usually sits there for two years before I actually get around to actually implementing whatever it was. Yeah. So I can see he's trying to follow my lead on that one. Yeah. Uh, what was Mike's box of uh, unfinished dreams or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, projects and things that might be on your workbench and things that maybe needed a little change in here and there and uh, tweaked on to keep going. Email, you've got... I think this is a familiar subject that you were going to tell us about here. So, uh, once again, there's there's another post in the um, Facebook forum in reference to the uh, pie clock. You guys might remember... And uh, I think it was episode 120, I built the Pi Clock, little display for my uh, Pi and 7-inch display. And then we had some troubles where the weather and the map providers basically started charging for their the use of their APIs to, to pull data and uh, weather. And that's, so, that's just not cheap old man compliant at all, is and it? It's just not. It was just wrong. So... <laughs> Um, since then, the creator of this project, uh, which is on GitHub, by the way, if you search for Pi Clock, you're going to find the GitHub link of the repository that you can easily clone to any Pi. He updated it. Uh, the call is N0BEL, and uh, he, he updated that project now to use cheap, compliant. <laughs> uh, I don't think he calls it that, but it's uh, free APIs, basically, and really easy to register it's back in business, as you see there in the bo- the bottom left of that screen you're showing. Uh, the maps and the weather data is back and uh, works like a charm. So uh, renewed uh, hope for the cheapness of the Pi Clock project. Well, that's great because I was thinking about building one right after I saw yours. It looked so cool. And then they, then they did that. Yeah. Uh, side note, somebody sent me... Um, some plans and some code and stuff about kind of a different version of a similar thing. So I need to build it. I actually have plans to try it out sometime. Or maybe we need to have a pie clock shootout type thing to compare. <laughs> oh, uh, I like uh, it. Smackdown. A pie clock shootout. Smackdown. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we could get some whipped cream and pie crust and just have a big old time in here. <laughs> I thought it might be kind of interesting. Yeah. Ameritron's new ALS-1306 is a 1.5 to 54 megahertz solid-state near-legal-limit FET no-tune amplifier. It's got 1,200 watts PEP output on all bands, including 10 and 6 meters, instant automatic band switching, no tuning, no warm-up, and no tubes to pamper. ALS-1306's reliability is ensured by using eight rugged MRF-150 power FETs mounted on a dual heavy-duty heatsink properly arranged to distribute heat over a large surface. Single-power device amplifiers can't do that. ALS-1306 outputs up to 1,200 watts of clean SSB power with just 100 watts of drive. 
Add an optional interface cable for your radio, and automatic band switching lets you put your amplifier and power supply out of the way. The ALS-1306 automatic band switching reads band data from your transceiver and automatically changes bands as you make adjustments on your radio. Built-in SWR protection prevents amplifier damage if you accidentally switch to a wrong band, use the wrong antenna, or have high VSWR. Overpower protection prevents forward and reflected power from exceeding safe levels. Output power is automatically reduced to prevent amplifier damage by controlling ALC to the exciter. The ALS-1306 is powered by a 50-volt DC, 50-amp switching power supply, which comes with a pre-wired cable. This hash-free, fully regulated switching power supply is only 12 pounds and can be placed conveniently out of the way. The power supply comes wired for 220 volts AC, but can be changed to 110 volts. It draws less than 25 amps at 110 volts or 12 amps at 220 volts. If you're looking for a modern amplifier for your ham shack, then you owe it to yourself to look at the Ameritron ALS-1306. Visit Ameritron.com today and check out the full line of the world's most popular HF linear amplifiers. That's what you've got, isn't it? That is what I've got. You know, when that commercial was originally shot, they were just releasing that amplifier, and I don't remember what the date was. And I said, you know... I like the way this thing looks, and I like the fact that, you know, it's 1,300 watts. It's almost legal limit, mm-hmm. and it's solid state, and it's ba- auto band switching, so it just follows your rig around. Yeah, that's a nice feature. Uh, I bought one here. It's It's been over a year now. I really I like the amplifier. Yeah. Um, I'm really <coughs> well pleased with it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having one of those myself. Better get to turn my radio back on. My HF radio. I haven't just been had any time to get on there much lately. Yeah, you're going to have to do something about that. Yep. You mentioned a little earlier what you were working on this month. Why would you even want to do this? Well, because some of the newer software now requires a certain level of uh, firmware on your DV Mega for it to work. Mm-hmm. There's some things that were added to there. Some bugs fixed and some some uh, different code added to it. Um, so if your version of firmware on your DV Mega is too old, it's not going to work with, like, Pi-Star, mm-hmm. some of the other things, uh, Blue DV. Um, so there's a certain level. So it's pretty easy to update it. Let's take a look. A couple months ago, we went through setting up the Pi-Star image. And when we were going through it, you remember on the screen, it showed that the Pi-Star image requires a certain level of the DV Mega firmware, and so today we're going to go through updating your firmware. If you if your DV Mega is older and, and hasn't been updated, it's a pretty easy task. So let's go ahead and cover that real quick. I've got mine in my in my DHAP Mini Mega still, so I'm going to go ahead and remove it. We're going to need a couple tools for the update. Uh, you can use an Arduino Uno like I've got here. Or alternatively, if you've got the little BlueStack micro board, which is, which is an awesome board. If you don't have one, you should. It's, it's a great little uh, board for getting on the digital modes. But uh, I understand these are a little bit more readily available. You can get an Arduino Uno off of Amazon uh, pretty cheap or a lot, of, a lot of different outlets, actually. Just make sure you get one that the chip's removable and not soldered on. Okay, so this one I've actually blew the chip a long time ago. Let's go ahead and, and take this off and get started. My DV Mega may look a little bit uh, different 
than than some of yours. Mine's one of the original ones, one of the older ones, and the newer ones, the antenna comes up straight on the top. Mine's at an angle. I did buy one uh, a vertical one of these to put on, or a straight one. Uh, I just haven't bothered yet. It's it's been fine. Um, we're gonna need to take the chip off. If you've got a chip puller, you can use that. I don't have one, so I'm gonna use my trusty uh, K0NEB Joe Eisenberg screwdriver that I got from one of the ham fests and use it. That's my standard chip puller. Uh, one disclaimer, if if you live in a static environment, even if you don't, always touch some metal, ground yourself, or use a wrist strap. Take precautions not to put static discharge into your electronics. I live in the south. It's rainy today, which it's either rainy or humid. And uh, so we don't usually have a static problem here. Um, the easiest way for me to do it is to take this little flat screwdriver and ease it into the a little space below the chip, between the chip and the socket, and slowly, gently pry it back and forth until it comes off. Just be careful not to bend your prongs. If you can get it under both sides, that's better. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can. There, I, I got it under both of mine, and it came off without damaging anything. So check your check your prongs and make sure that they're all good. So what we need to install it into the Arduino Uno. On the socket, there's a small little notch, and it's probably going to be kind of difficult to see, but it's right there. And on the chip, you've got the same notch. And on mine, it's right here. So make sure you line those up when you install it. I'm just going to push it on easy. Um, there's no sense in jamming it way down because I'm going to have to pull it back off. As long as we've got a good solid connection, we're good. Uh, we're going to need a USB cable, one of the old school ones like you use on a printer is what you need for your Arduino Uno. And I'll go ahead and hook it up. You'll see the lights come on. Now we need to download the firmware. So let's go get it. And if we go to dvmega.aria.nl slash downloads.html, you'll find the downloads section. Scroll through here and find your radio that you've got. Mine is a Raspberry Pi based for D-Star single band radio. They've got some for dual band and I want it for MMDVM host. So looking at this, 3.26 looks like the latest version. So I'll grab that. And we're also going to need the XLoader program that right next to it to actually burn it to the, the, uh, the chip there. So I'll go ahead and I'll unzip the X loader. And for simplicity, I'll just drag it to my desktop right here. And I'll unzip the firmware. Okay, so now we're going to need to run it. So when I plugged my Arduino up, the first time you'll probably see it go through and install some drivers. and You'll hear some beeping going on. Um, we're going to need to know the COM port that it's set up. Let's go into the device manager and find the COM port. Device manager. Ports. Uh, Arduino Uno COM3. So that's the port we're going to need to use. 
let's run our XLoader program and we'll pick the right Arduino ours is an Uno it's going to set up the COM port speed for you and it thinks it's on COM3 which is correct because we just confirmed that now let's go browse and find our firmware right there 326 and click upload if you look at the Arduino you can see the communication lights are on here the receive and transmit lights are, are lit uh, once they go off check your screen and you'll see X number of bytes were uploaded 29546 so that tells me that it was successful so we can close this let's kill the power from our Arduino and let's remove the chip and put it back again be very careful always ground yourself if you have a static problem and take the proper precautions if you fry your electronics we're not responsible for that so I've got the chip back off that was easy enough now I'll install it back into my DHAP in just a moment and we will uh, test it out always again make sure you watch that uh, notch and line them up together when you install your chip okay let's go boot it up we got booted back up i'm logged into the pystar dashboard and we can see right here that our firmware has been upgraded to 3.26 i did have some requests for this so hopefully you guys that asked for it will be able to get your uh, pystar image up and going with this now 73 i have my uh screwdriver chip puller too your your k0 neb <laughs> screwdriver not that exact <laughs> one but something similar yep yeah i don't think you were in here with that i used uh joe eisenberg k0 neb chip puller yeah oh yeah yeah <clears throat> i actually have an official radio shack chip puller yeah they're not making those anymore no they're not better mm -hmm. hang on to it it's like a collector's item these days just yeah. like this dollar t-shirt that i've got you know on. i used to have one but i actually had better luck using the uh screwdriver yeah yeah you, you can control it a little better uh -huh. the other thing you yank out with it man you, your pen's liable to be going every which direction when you finally get or it Or you might wind up with a chip stuck in your forehead. That could happen. <laughs> that would be one way to reprogram it, I guess. <laughs> okay, email. You actually, no, this is not an email. This is a snail mail you've got here. This is an actual package I received from uh, um, the down under you see you see that there oh, yeah yeah wait a minute and well, oh oh, okay. oh wait wait yeah. it came from Australia hold on let wait. me turn it around it came in that way <laughs> yeah yeah it, it came in this way and, and I, I figured oh wait a minute in order to read this one I, I gotta kind of turn it upside down yeah. um, our buddy uh, VK2TEQ Greg McCulkin uh, sent me a really nifty book here, um, which is the uh, Wireless Institute of Australia's call book. And I got to tell you, just browsing through it, it is very well organized and uh, has a lot of useful information in it. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think I should have brought mine. I feel like that. Mine's at home now. I, I think there's more in this call book than we have in ours here. Yeah, it's it's a nice book. It's really well put together. Yeah, it's not just call signs. There's mm-hmm. a lot of extra information in here as well. Yeah. yeah, there's a page. There's a page in there that has every uh, the the you know the letter prefixes and what countries they belong to. I mean, the resistor codes, the some electronics mm-hmm. information. You name it. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. So it, in the, the note, Greg put in mind it says between that and the other books that he sent. You know, he sent his handbook. Yeah. Uh, and and one other book in uh, between those three, there's a pretty good picture of uh, how the Australian amateur radio you system mean, is. This note. And and speaking yep. of notes. Why don't I go ahead and read that while y'all are passing it around there? Okay. Uh, Greetings. Enclosed is the Wireless Institute of Australia's uh, 2019 call book. It will give you a pretty good overall of the Australian ham radio. I really appreciate Amateur Logic TV and Ham College, and uh, I hope I'm getting this right. But he said, fair didinkum which I think means genuine and true, so compliment. It, I mean, everything is upside down, so I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll find out from him. Uh, long live the podcast, just in case. If some don't know where Australia is, get a world map, turn it upside down. We're there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Greg McCall, VK2TEQ. So, and now you, you can see I found I went ahead and looked in the uh, call book and and found uh, Greg and uh, somebody else we might recognize, too. Look at that. Uh, PW. <laughs> VK3PB, Peter. I know, I know PW. Yeah. So that's cool. Thanks for sending those, Greg. Uh, we all we all three got the same book. Yeah, thanks for that, Greg. And we've got a, a fair collection of Australian amateur yeah, radio yeah, books. Some great now. info in all, the, all those books. Yeah. So, anyway, I appreciate you doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Greg. And let's see. Well, I think it's your turn. My turn for an email? Yeah. An email or is it an email? Whatever you got. Okay. Well, I do have one. Uh, This one is from, you know what? I don't think I put his call sign down here. Yeah, you did. G3ZHI. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ian. <laughs> I, it, oh, we got pretty. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Must be <Two> Australian. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Ian, Ian sent uh, an email. Have you had an item on the new peanut VoIP app for Android, meaning the segment? It also works on Windows. The audio is very good. It also connects to D-Star, DMR, and Fusion Gateways. And he put the link down to it, uh, pa7lim.nl slash peanut. I haven't done that yet, uh, but I plan on doing it. Uh, yeah, it is Again, it's not only for Android. It's also there's Windows app. Um, so I plan on doing that soon. Uh, he temporarily shut it down and started it back up. So mm-hmm. I was going to do it a month or so back, and then that kind of came up. Um, so anyway, I should do something fairly soon on it. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard people talking about it. It does sound interesting. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. Well, I've got one here. This is a, an actual email from a viewer. Okay. 
and it's from John Herman, KC3JYK. And he said, Hi, George, I'm trying to find a good way to learn my way around test equipment and repairing radios. I'm mostly interested in fixing amateur radios, not sure I trust myself around uh, 50,000 watt transmitters yet. What's a good way to do this? Thanks in advance, John. Well, yeah, you know, where do you start? If you want to learn how to work on radios and how to use test equipment, I just go back to my um, college education and knowing where we started there in electronics. I, I feel like you're better off if you can learn some theory and, and some background, then you'll know a little more of, of how to go about fixing rather than just check this first, check that next. Mm -hmm. Although that's certainly a way you can do it. So I went looking on the Internet to try to find some good websites where you could, you know, kind of get a course outline and, and do some study and learn a little bit about electronics. The first one I came up with is um, electronics-tutorials.ws. That it had really good tutorials in it, but I think they could be arranged better. You notice they've got all the topics there kind of laid out in alphabetical order. That's not the way to learn electronics. No, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> electronics yeah. is not in alphabetical order. That fall like the dictionary. Yeah, you should. You certainly wouldn't want to start <clears throat> out with AC circuits. Uh, so I did a little more. And I did find another one that looked, well, I certainly liked the order they were doing things in better. 101.science.com slash basicelectronics.htm. This one, you probably can't see it, but it actually starts in a logical order of the, the order that you'd want to learn electronics. Um, different topics in. This is the way we did it when I went to school. Um, the order makes sense. You start out very simple with DC circuits and you work your way on through to more complex subjects. I think that one's worth having a look at there. Uh, you know, a good way to kind of learn something about electronics. Now, you can go around watching videos on the internet and one thing or another and you'll, you'll learn some stuff that way. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to, you know, really want to learn it, then taking the long way and just, you know, learn electronics is probably... Yeah. I would think uh, doing some projects where you actually put your hands on it, see things work. That helps. That helps. But... Because um, I, I know I've been... I've tried to learn some, you know, here recently. I've had a little mm -hmm. bit... Sparked my interest a little bit more. And... Uh, I've read some things and, and asked you some questions about mm -hmm. it, but some of the stuff, while you understand the theory, it really doesn't go home until you actually put the stuff down and run some current through it, measure, yeah. measure what happens, you know, at the different points and stuff like that. So it's going to be a combination of both of them, I think. Well, and that's kind of, the best thing. kind of the way I learned it. You know, we had our textbooks and we started out <clears> in DC and real basic stuff, just resistors and a battery and. And we had uh, lessons that went along with it to where we actually took components and assembled the things mm -hmm. that we were studying on and, you know, kind of helped cement it. And, 
and you know learn what the heck we were doing. Email you didn't you take electronics? Yes, sir. Yeah, I started in uh, speaking of college. Um, the uh, it was a trade school at the time before it was an accredited college, and I took the uh, CET, the consumer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, consumer electronics tech uh, course, and they had these. Uh, whole benches with variable power supplies mm-hmm. and certain stations. It was called Lab Volt, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And the Lab Volt had these drawers full of circuits that you would pull out, put the components on, and measure each of the test points and yeah. trace signals through the... So anyway, that's that's where I learned it and got the CET before I went into computer sciences. Um, but I want to say something. Uh, there's uh, You guys ever heard of SparkFun? Yes. Oh, yeah. So SparkFun has those easy kits uh, geared for beginners as well as um, kids as well. You know, like younger age, uh, not just uh, adult people want to learn, but uh, kids as well. So that's a good place to start. So I'm right there with Tommy. You put your hands on it, you start building it, it's going to keep your interest. You know, uh, we didn't have the CET when I went to school. Is that cheap electronics technician? What is that? <laughs> it turned into being cheap electronics. Now I have boxes of parts, and you know I'm kind of like Jimmy used to be, removing parts from stuff just to have it around. Yep. Wife kind of looks at me funny when it comes to that, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We had this big, this huge board. Well, we had some of the the smaller things, sort of like what you're talking about, but we also had this huge board that. Um, he could change it to have different schematics on it, and the components would plug in on top of where where the different schematic symbols were. And he had one like of a, a radio, you know, an AM radio, and and different circuits. And he actually had some components that were bad that he would plug in on the circuit board there, and you'd have to troubleshoot it and find where the bad part was. Oh. And, uh, you know, the part looked good. It didn't look like there was anything wrong with it. So. Yeah, we, uh, one of our teacher had a trainer. Uh, one of the trainers was for a television. Um, I think it was old Zenith. And he would flip switches and break the, yeah. uh, you know, the, break the circuits in it, and you had to go trace and see where it was being lost. <laughs> Fun times. Yep. Nobody. You guys remember, you guys remember Sam's Facts? Oh, Photofax, yeah. The Sam, the Sam's Fax. We had yeah. an entire library full of service manuals. Oh, we at that did place. Too. It was a, it was a quite a good resource. That college had it had a pretty good electronics class. It it sounds very similar to the one I took. It was a junior college. Uh, you know, two years. All we did was study electronics, and uh, and yeah, and they were, you know, back then there was a lot of uh, TV service work going on. That's not really what I specialized in. But you still had to learn how to fix televisions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, today I guess that's a skill that wouldn't be too useful because nobody right. fixes televisions anymore. No, everything's disposable now. I've still got my textbooks up there. On the, I think it's called Television Symptoms Diagnosis. If the picture tube ever goes on in mine, I'll give you a call. There you go. <laughs> we'll rejuvenate it. <laughs> I see a couple people... Not not to keep dragging out, but a couple people in here uh, mentioned those Forrest Mims books were good references also. Oh, yeah. I've I've got the stack like this of those little Forrest Mims, Mm -hmm. little notebooks that you used to get from Radio Shack. They're about that big. 
Yep. So I think I bought the whole set of them. I've got a few of those, and I've got some of the thicker, bigger ones that that they published before they came out with the thin ones. It's got basically the same circuits, oh, except yeah. it was a one bigger book. And, you know, I built a lot of stuff where I would take a piece of this circuit and a piece of that one and put them all together and build what it was I wanted. Yeah. And those, it worked. Those are cool books. I need to go dig those out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be back in just a moment because uh, we've still got more left to go. But first, let's get a message from our friends at ICOM. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. ICOM's newest SDR transceiver, the IC9700, is coming soon. This new radio is bringing direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. The IC9700 all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features, such as dedicated amateur satellite operation, color touchscreen, built-in D-Star capability, RF direct sampling on 2 meters and 70 centimeter bands, dual independent receivers capable of full duplex operation as well as dual watch, 100 watts maximum output power on 2 meters, 75 watts max on 70 centimeters, and 10 watts max on 1.2 gigahertz. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Attention all hams! ICOM knows that ham clubs play a big role in bringing ham communities together to learn from their peers and industry leaders. As a way to give back and help you on your mission, ICOM has launched a promotion exclusively for U.S. ham clubs and the ham fest they're involved with. By registering your club, you could win ICOM swag, a Skype presentation for your club, or your ham fest and ICOM booth setup. Register today for your chance to win at icomamerica.com hams. I mentioned earlier we were going to revisit Echolink on the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Uh, well, here. The, the video just tells says, it all. The video says it all. Huh? Well, it says as much as we're allowed to it says legally 50% say. 50% of it. Yeah, there you go. At least 50%. <laughs> Back in episode 61 and 62 of Amateur Logic, this was, uh, well, December 2013, January 2014. The Raspberry Pis were still kind of new. I got my hands on one, and the first real project that I, I tried to make happen on it that I thought would be cool was to run Echolink on the Raspberry Pi. Well, I got it going. I tried a couple of different packages there. I used one called the Link Box. I also used SVX Link. Uh, I believe I had problems with it, and but finally got the Link Box to kind of work, but... Neither one of them were that reliable, and the audio was kind of jerky on it as well. Well, we're on the third generation of the Raspberry Pi now, and there's been enough time that I feel like things are going a little better now. You know, the audio systems are supported better, which was part of the problem at that time. And, uh, you know, the software is probably a little bit better, and definitely the Pis are a lot faster. So I thought it was about time to revisit that. And I'm going to try building another Echolink Pi. Uh, this time I'm going to begin again as I did last time with SVX Link. It's a good looking package. Uh, there's a couple of different versions of it. There's one that uses the QTEL GUI, or you can run it from the command line and run SVX server. Now, this is actually an advanced repeater controller, and it's got Echolink built in it as well. Uh, it's available for Linux, and there's also distributions for the Raspberry Pi. 
That's what we're going to try. Uh, svxlink.org is where you can learn more about it right here on github.com slash sm0svx slash svxlink slash wiki slash install bind raspian. That's a mouthful. Well, the link's right there on the bottom of the screen. This is where I found some information on downloading it and actually installing it on the Raspberry Pi. The first thing they put on here is instructions on how to install the Raspbian operating system on your Raspberry Pi and some steps for setting it up. We're going to bypass all of that. I've already got my Raspberry Pi set up with a fresh install on it, and I've installed Midnight Commander and configured uh, VNC on it because those are tools I normally like to use with it. So we're just going to start out with the actual SVX link installation. I've got my Pi set up here. Well, I'm using a wired Ethernet on it. You could actually use Wi-Fi because that's built into these. Uh, I've also got the little dongle for a Logitech mouse and keyboard that I'll be using with it while I'm doing the setup here. Once I've got it up and running, I won't need that. I can log into this thing with uh, SSH or I could use VNC. Uh, I've also got uh, HDMI cable here so that we can capture the video and you can follow along and see as this progresses. And I'm going to put the power connector in right now. We'll watch it boot up and then go through the steps and see if we can't get this working. First thing we'll want to do is go download the package that we need. If we go to that GitHub link I mentioned just a moment ago and scroll down past the instructions for installing Raspbian, down to the section on install SVX link, there's a few commands here that we need to do. This is a testing package. It's not a regular Raspbian package that's compiled and sitting waiting out there. So we have to get this from the Buster software repository. We uh, copy this first line right here. We bring up a command prompt and paste it right here. And there we go. That is added that repository. The next thing we need to do is to run a quick update. The next thing we need to do is run the sudo apt-get-t buster install svxlink-server. Do we want to continue? It's going to use a little disk space, not much though. The next thing we see is a warning message here that shouldn't apply to us since this is the most current release of the Raspbian operating system. So we'll do Q to quit. The next message that pops up here is warning us that the system needs to be restarted. And if we'd like to do the restart without automatically being prompted each time, we can just choose yes here, and it will leave us alone. At last, we're back at a command prompt. Now we're finished with the Buster repository, so we should remove it uh, using this command right here. If you're wondering how I'm doing this cutting and pasting back and forth, well, I've got a VNC window opened up to the Raspberry Pi, and I'm cutting and pasting from my Windows version of Chrome here on the desktop, pasting that over into the Raspberry Pi. Now we're down to the next step, which is to install the SVX link sounds. We're going to use the English sounds, of course, since there is no redneck version. We'll just copy them one at a time and execute them. And the sound should be installed now. So we're at the basic test for the XVX Link installation. We're going to test out our sounds here and make sure those work. And this is the USB sound dongle that I'm going to use. These are 
available all over the internet for just a few bucks. I bought this one for that last Echolink project back in 2013, but virtually the same dongle is available everywhere today for for not much money. We're not going to plug it in yet, though. Our instructions say that at this point, we just want to plug a speaker into the regular sound system on the Raspberry Pi here and do our test that way. Since there's no microphone input on the default Raspberry Pi sound system, we're going to need to disable that. The instructions say to use the Nano Editor to edit the svxlink.conf file. I don't really like editing with the Nano Editor, and I've got a favorite utility here that I use for most of my command line stuff. We type sudo, so we can set our super user permissions here. Space MC for Midnight Commander. Now I've got a nice little graphic interface here that I can go and hunt down to the ETC folder and then the SVX link folder. Find our file right there and I will edit it. We need to find the simplex logic section. Change RX to equal none and change my call to your actual call sign. Save that. And now we're ready to type some commands to do some testing. There will probably be errors generated, it says, but that's okay. We can work those out later. So let's uh, start up SVX link here. Typically, this is going to be done with a script, but um, yeah, we're just going to do it here manually. And it says we've successfully loaded. But we've got some errors, and that was to be expected. So now we enter star pound, and it should identify itself. Six link online, whiskey, five, Juliet, delta, x-ray. The time is 11.34 p.m. PL is 136.5 hertz. Press zero, number sign for help. Okay, so far so good. And the voice was clear. It was not stuttering like it did uh, back six years ago. So far, so good. And the next thing we need to get going here is our external USB sound device. There are no instructions for doing this in the document we've been following. This is the USB sound dongle I'm going to use. It's the same one I bought six years ago for Echo Link. It's available from a variety of sources for less than $5. Not a bad deal if it works. I'm going to take it and plug a little extender on it here so that it doesn't take up extra USB ports on my Pi. found a website here that might be able to help us get this going. This is on stackexchange.com, the link at the bottom of your screen there. I'm going to follow the steps there and make sure that my sound device is working as it should be before we go any further. That was a fairly painless process. I just followed the steps there listed on the web page and made a few edits and some files. Everything's good to go now and playback and record using our USB sound dongle as the default and only device for playing or recording audio on the Raspberry Pi. Next time, we'll pick back up and get the GPIO working and test out the SVX link on the air. Actually, I got a little further than this. Uh, I've got the GPIO going and everything. I was basically to the point of uh, where I was ready to hook it to a radio and test it out. Oh, cool. 
but anyway, we'll look more at it next time. And I got a feeling this is going to be the one. This think one is, so? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So it works. You're going to swap out that little terminal thing you got I, right I am. Uh-huh. Cool. I am. I'm using a dump, a wise dumb terminal up there now. Well, it's not really wise a wise dumb, dumb terminal. That's like an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a wise thin client, but uh, and, and it works great for a colink. But military you know. intelligence. And uh, Mike is asking about the PTT. Yeah, well, I just mentioned it. Yeah, I, I'm using the GPIO ports on the uh, Raspberry Pi for that. It all works out and. Uh, we'll look at that next time out, and we'll finish that project off. You know, last time I tried this, which was however many years ago it was, six years maybe? Wow. Yeah, the SVX link, I just never could really get it to work at all. It was just really bad. It would kind it of sort stutter. Of, sort of worked-ish. Yeah, well, it stuttered real bad, but I used the link box. I think that's the one I ended up using. Oh, okay. And it worked for about a month and and then didn't anymore. So uh, somebody offered me that wise thin client machine. I mean, it's got embedded Windows XP on it, so I jumped right on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, it was awful nice of it. It's been running the it's been working great. for a long time. Yep, six years. Yeah. Well, you're making a jump to Pi, so we know it's cheap compliant. There you go. And you saw the $4 sound device he's got hooked up to it. I, I saw wires, bare wires and connectors. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm proud. Yeah. And you know, that sound device I actually bought six years ago, and I've used it in two or three other projects. So that that should uh, that should count for something. In there. Yeah. I've still got mine. I've got one. I think when you bought them, you got two. gave me one of them. I still got mine in the drawer there. Yeah. I haven't used it yet. Well, been over two years, too. It has? Past do. They work. I mean, I'm not going to, um, you know, throw out my $1,500 audio science sound card for the $4 <laughs> off-brand. But you could if you wanted but to. I, I, don't, I don't know if I could. <laughs> if you don't <laughs> no, care how it sounds. No, if you don't care. If you can stand a little noise. Speaking of school, we'll be right back. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but 
The night's still young. We haven't blew up anything today either. We're way, we're our quota. We're short on the quota. Oh, you know what they say. <laughs> night's still young. Yeah. <laughs> we have viewers on this show. Yeah, what? A few. Yes. Some of the best dressed viewers around. There's no doubt I'm, about that. I'm yeah. about to have stage fright. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, anyway, they they sent us pictures from time to time, <laughs> um, actually showing us what they've been wearing. And we're going to look at that in just a moment here, but... I, yeah, you can kind of tell I got a sequence here. Wait, just to make sure they they were wearing something, right? They were. Okay, they were good. Something. Something. Yeah, I had an email I wanted to read here. This came from uh, John Sullivan, and it's because of well, an amateur logic segment that we played on Ham Nation this week. You know, occasionally I'll pull back some of the old. Amateur logic segments and the run them over there. The classic and smoke and solder. And I'm trying to think. I told you earlier. I can't even remember what it was. PC now. boards. Yeah, I was talking about point to point wiring and the different kind of experimental boards, PC boards, perf boards. Um, you know, Manhattan style. All the different types of of project building. Uh, you can do, and, you know, how you connect things together. And John just happened to be watching. And, you know, I usually tag these that, you know, this previously ran mm-hmm. uh, Amateur Logic. And he said, hello, George, just finished watching the latest Ham Nation podcast for February 13th, where you showed us your smoke and solder demo from uh, Amateur Logic number 88. So that's, that's been a while. Yeah. Said you prefaced it by saying that you didn't remember how long ago you recorded it, but that it should show us the date in the video, in which it did. It was March of 2106. Wow. Uh, he says, as this is only 2019, That's the year 2106 <laughs> is still 87 years in the future, so we really appreciate you coming back. You know, to share this said demo. we were ahead of our time. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know that amateurs are still making homebrew circuit boards for many years to come. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice that, but you know, just a little typo there. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's a good catch. That was a good catch. Yeah, so I just thought I would uh, mention it here. You know, email has accused us of time travel before. And well, I was well. going to say, this is just more evidence for the conspiracy. <laughs> Y'all are not fooling nobody. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll probably still be sitting here at this table making these in 2106. So. Yep. Well, back to our, our wardrobe department here. And as we mentioned, people from all over the world send us photos of mm-hmm. them. You know, wearing their best. Yeah. And we've got one right here that uh, came from Greg. Well, you know, the same guy who uh, sent us the Australian call book here, VK2TEQ. And I don't know if this was a ham fest there or exactly what was going on. (laughs) It's the walking dead. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, okay. 
I'd hate to. Uh, that gives new meaning to rag chew. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it does, doesn't it? You know, they may not be uh, very well matched on the clothing there, and it might be a little worn and tattered. You know, not unlike what you might see at a ham fest no, anyway. But, they, but overall, they look pretty sharp. Yep. At least they've all got the headgear on. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. These are these are pretty cool. These are part of my favorite parts of doing the show, yeah. seeing these the pictures that the people send in. And here's one from uh, John Baggett, K2BAG, and he's actually from England. But he sent us a photo here. He was uh, traveling out, I guess it was out west. And did you know that we had a Grammy email? I didn't. No, no, I didn't. Well, there you go right there. There you go. There's the proof. Mm-hmm. Wow. Man, that thing is shiny. That is mighty shiny, isn't it? I, I don't have all the uh, captions and all that went with this, but this is... Uh, it looks I guess pretty good with the hat on it, though. Yeah. The hat really makes it... He posted that on the Google Plus community, which unfortunately will be going away in the yeah. near future here. April the 2nd? I think. It said, when I logged on a few minutes ago, it said my account's going to go away April the 2nd. But it could be April 1st, and they're just fooling. Oh, no. Could be. Yeah, it just occurred to me. I never thought about that. So anyway, Tommy, if if you wanted to win a Grammy, or if you wanted to sport the latest wear at the next Hamfest, where could you get said where if you want to look like these fine people <laughs> here these people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little better than that <laughs> you, you can get yours at uh, amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com we've got uh, amateur logic uh, hats shirts jackets there's quite a few different things in there as well as uh, some ham college gear too if you happen to be a ham college viewer as well that's where you can find it all right there. And we don't really make anything off these. We're just doing it. To, yeah, there's a lot, you know, lot of requests for it, requests so there they it. are. So yep. anyway, but I will say they are, uh, that when you send the pictures of wearing the shirts mm-hmm. or the hats in, they're, they're, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing that. So you guys keep doing that. Mm-hmm. By popular demand. I think it's time we pull the plug and get on out of here while... We still have some innocence left. Yeah, it's supper time. Not much. Yep. Yep. Dirty. All right. Uh, join us here again next month around the fifteenth. That'll be what? That'll be around March the fifteenth. Yep. Uh, yeah, right around there. And um, join our two favorite scholars, Professor Thomas and Dean Martin, at the end of the month for the next time college. Uh, we got some learning to do you. <laughs> we're going to learn you something. <laughs> we're going to learn you something. I'm not even sure what we're going to talk about yet, but it'll be uh, We'll figure something. it out before we get there. Yep. Or after we get there. Mm-hmm. Thereabouts. Yep. 7-3, yep. everybody. All right. Yeah. 7-3. Seven, 7-3. Three. Seven, three.